Matthew chapter 21, the triumphal entry. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, and her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfil what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise? And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. So we read from God's word and heard about that first Palm Sunday triumphal entry. And after Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he went to the temple. Uh, In Mark's gospel, it happens on the Monday. In Matthew's gospel, it happens on the Sunday. So whenever it happened, Jesus goes into the temple and starts wrecking the place and shouting these words. My house will be called a house of prayer. Jesus is quoting Isaiah 56 verse 7. But you are making it a den of robbers. Quoting Jeremiah 7 verse 11. What is a house of prayer? Depends on what you think prayer is about. If 100% of the congregation came to a prayer meeting, does that mean the church is a house of prayer? I don't think so, because what makes a true house of prayer is not prayer. Muslims pray, so do Buddhists, so do Hindus. Prayer is what connects us to the God that we worship. But the question is, to what end? What's the character of God we are connecting to? If you answer that question, you will understand what we are doing when we pray and therefore what a house of prayer is about. So this passage tells us three things about prayer. Prayer is about God's welcome, God's cleansing and God's healing. So first of all, let's think about prayer as God's welcome. I want you to imagine the scene. Everyone is in Jerusalem for Passover. Jews and God-fearing Gentiles have come from all over the world to be there. They've come from Persia, from Syria, from Egypt, from Greece, and from Rome. 
It is estimated that the population of Jerusalem would swell from 50,000 to 180,000 people for this one week of Passover. In fact, there are so many people that Jerusalem can't accommodate them all. But the Passover tradition said that in order to celebrate the Passover, you had to be inside the city of Jerusalem. Now, the only way that everybody could get into the city of Jerusalem was if they moved the boundaries of the city. And so it was customary at Passover time to put out an edict that extended the boundaries of Jerusalem to cover villages like Bethany and Bethpage and other surrounding areas. And that is why Jesus and his 12 disciples are staying in Bethany, in the home of Mar Mary, Martha and Lazarus. And they're all coming in to the city. And so the city of Jerusalem is literally exploding with people. And the temple is the focal point of everything. And Jesus enters the temple into the court of the Gentiles. It was a huge area and so many people could be in there. And once you were in the court of the Gentiles, you would notice a gate, the eastern gate, which led into the inner walled court area, which was the court of women. And that was a place where Jewish women and men could go to worship but no Gentiles were allowed inside that bit. In fact, there was a sign by the Eastern Gate that said if a Gentile went into this bit, he would lose his life. So Jesus walks into the temple and stands in the court of the Gentiles. And he is so angry about what he sees. The Lord had said to the prophet Isaiah, let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Those once excluded foreigners would no longer be excluded, but welcomed. And not just welcomed as visitors with second class status, Isaiah said the Lord would give them joy and God's joy is always associated with the blessing of his salvation on us. So here's this prophecy concluding with this statement for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And the whole chapter has been explaining how everybody is welcome. So what got Jesus angry? It's not the corruption of the money changers because Jesus was angry with the buyers as well as the sellers. He threw both groups out of the temple. Jesus got angry because how could the Gentiles pray with all this noise and stench? How could they know that they are welcomed every bit as much as Jews because of their shared faith in God when their place of prayer is a place of commerce? And that is why Jesus starts overturning the tables and driving everyone out who is not there to pray. In fact, if you read Mark's account in chapter 11, he had something else. He says that Jesus would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. Because you see, the traders were also using this court of the Gentiles as a shortcut from the city to the Mount of Olives. 
so they wouldn't have to go the long way around. The Gentiles are not made welcome to pray. It's a bit like going to a church service that says everybody is welcome here, but no one speaks to you the whole time you are there. Did they really mean you're welcome? The Gentiles are not made welcome to pray. And to Jesus, this is a form of robbery. They are being robbed of what, of what God revealed to Isaiah. They are being robbed of receiving God's welcome in his house of prayer. And that's what makes Jesus so angry. He must see them standing there in the court of the Gentiles. He must see their love of the Lord. They've come a long way to be at Passover. And this is all that Jerusalem gives them. Prayer is about God's welcome. So when we pray, we are coming before the God who welcomes us. The God who is the father in the parable of the prodigal son who stands with waiting and longing for his son to return. And what a welcome he received when he came home. When you pray, reflect on the God who welcomes you. And the other two things that we learn in this passage is that prayer is also about God's cleansing and healing. In verse 14, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. There's Jesus standing there in the midst of all the debris. And here come the blind and the lame who have always hung around the temple anyway. Because that's where the presence of God was in the Holy of Holies. And they needed to beg from God and be as close to his presence as possible. And that's where the people were. And they needed to beg from the people. And they filled the court of the Gentiles begging God and begging men for help. Because that was as far as they could go into the temple. Even as Jews, they were excluded from the court of women. Because maybe their mats and crutches might defile the inner court because their affliction was possibly interpreted as the result of sin. So picture Jesus standing there. The money changers run away, and now the blind and the lame run to him. Those who were guilty see Jesus' anger, but those who are seekers and longers see his compassion, and they run to him. They come to him, and in compassion, he heals them. Uh, but think about this. In this place of prayer and welcome, the blind and the lame cannot come to Jesus until he has cleared everything that is stopping them from worshipping. The moment the wrong kind of business was removed, the place could be filled with the right kind of business, healing and restoring those who had been ceremonially forbidden to enter. If the temple is a place of this kind of praying, then prayer is about excluded and broken people welcomed within the embrace of God's amazing saving grace and restored to a life better than they've ever known before. That's what healing meant. They're not just healed physically. The healing restores them to God's community and to worship. Prayer is always about some kind of healing because it's God's living presence that we connect to. But there cannot be a healing without a cleansing. Maybe you've heard these words, 
more recently than ever, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, which are called by name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. The interesting thing about this verse, that it's not about others. This is about us. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves. This is about a cleansing in our lives before we point the finger at others. This verse is about a, a cleansing, a clearing out, a refocusing on what following Jesus is all about so that you can know his healing in your life and in your land. Imagine the scene again as the blind and the lame are healed and the Gentiles are there as well and the court is now quiet. Now it's a place to know God and to pray. To pray to the God who welcomes them. To pray to the God who heals and restores. To give thanks with joy to the Lord who is their saviour. So what makes a true house of prayer is not prayer. What makes a true life of prayer is not prayer, but the character of God you are praying to. And the character of God that is revealed in Scripture is a God who welcomes, cleanses and heals. The temple in Jerusalem was to be a place of prayer to God because that is where God's house was. That is where his, his presence from heaven touched the earth in the Holy of Holies. But because Jesus is God, the presence of God is no longer in a building, but now comes to us in a person. We go to Jesus to know divine welcome and embrace. We go to Jesus to ask forgiveness and cleansing of our lives. We go to Jesus to ask for his healing presence over whatever we are troubled with. And that is why Jesus can say in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. True prayer is burdened people finding rest in God's presence over them. And that is what you're doing when you pray for others. This virus is causing people to seek the Lord. So when in this last week a work colleague says to one of our members, will you pray for me and my family? What is the person asking for? There is a desire to know that welcome embrace of the Heavenly Father as his child. There is a cleansing going on as the things that we placed our confidence in have been shattered in the wake of a pandemic. There is a healing that is longed for so that anxious and frightened hearts may be at rest and peace because the Lord is by our side. Maybe that is you today. We run to the Lord just as the blind and the lame did in the temple. We find joy in our loving God today and we receive the welcome and healing of the Lord Jesus. And that is ultimately where Good Friday leads us to. So I invite you to join with me in prayer. Lord, I invite you to come into my heart and life afresh today.
And if there is something that needs to be cleansed, then cleanse it. If there is something that needs to be confessed, help me speak it to you. If there's something that needs to be renounced, then take away its power over my heart. Lord, I want your healing presence in this storm. So thank you that you are the welcoming, cleansing, healing Lord of all. I commit my life to the road you will lead me on, trusting that you will guide me and protect me. In the name of King Jesus, hear my prayer today. Amen.